There's these two black cats that like roam around. Okay. One's name was Judy. I think I named her Judy. <laughs> the, the old people that left her, I think her name was Judy. So I named her Judy. Then there was a new one. And so I named her Marnie from Halloween Town because she's back. Okay. And I felt so bad for this cat because it would come up to me and like, I'm, I'm allergic to cats, but like I, I love animals and it would just like, you know, get around my legs and just, it was super loving, you know? So I went and got cat food, put a little bow aside and I would just feed her. And when I came out, I'd play with her and she was always super friendly with Chewy and like, he was kind of skeptical about it, but he's like, whatever, just get out of my way. So one day, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell you all this one day. We're all outside living our best life. Me and Chewy, like I have a little patio and Marnie's out there. Well, Judy walks her happy ass over here, okay? And Judy like stands on her back legs like a damn meerkat and was like, <laughs> like took her paw and slapped my dog. First of all, she <sighs> came up on him and like slapped my dog. And I was like, hey, no fucking way. <laughs> I charged at Judy, okay? In the meantime, I look back and Marnie is on top of him and he's like, arr, arr, arr. and I like ran over and I like got, I scooped at my dog. I took, and I took that food bowl that I had for her and I threw it out in the yard. I said, starve, bitch. And I like went back in. I was like, I was like, fuck you all. Oh my never God. get another single bite for me again. I was so mad. I was so mad at the damn cats. And now, like, she don't even really, she don't even look over here anymore because I'm like, I'm not even gonna lie. Judy scares the shit out of me, though. I can't even lie. Like, stands up on two legs and just like smacks him. I was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, Judy was abandoned and like, <laughs> Judy came from a neighbor who they were, they were boyfriend and girlfriend or best friend, but they're like 60 some, 70 some. And the woman got dementia and the boyfriend wouldn't let her family see her and he wouldn't let her out. And apparently he had her locked in like the secret closet that was in the apartment. It was a hot mess. Okay. It was crazy, crazy times. Okay. I didn't know what the next sentence of anything you just said was going to be. Like, I couldn't have guessed. Yeah. It just this, kept getting this, wilder and wilder. This is a true life story. We in a box in a closet. <laughs> no. Yeah. And so when they, after they moved out, I just popped my head in. I'm nosy as shit. I was like, um, can I, where did he keep her? <laughs> and they're like, oh, let me show you. And so the whole ass, like the whole ass, like closet thing had like styrofoam on it to like mute sound. It was in fucking sane. And like, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And, um, so they had Judy, because I remember she'd open the door and she'd be like, Judy! My cat was just like standing right in front of her, like, I'm right here. Um, so when they left, he's like, he looked at me, the old guy, and he was like, I'm just going to leave her. This is her home. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, okay. And you can't catch her. I'm scared of her. Because I was going to take her to the shelter, or like give her somebody, you know, give her to somebody that might want her. Um, but I'm scared to death of her. So that didn't work out. So now she just roams and for some, and so she like gets fed by everyone up here. She's an obese cat that is homeless. So <laughs> she's doing quite You think well she's pregnant? Oh, so did you all ever happen to see on my Snapchat that I had a baby kitten in my wall? Yeah, I seen that. Yeah. I remember, so I think I messaged you about it. Yeah, somehow they got in the duckware and got into like my, it's like my mantle at the fireplace mantle. And um, 
I kept hearing a cat meow, like Chewy bark, and like it was just a miserable time. And I'd be on meetings, and you just hear meow, meow, and I was like, "There's what the fuck is going on?" So I finally located where it was coming from. I called Adam. So can you imagine, like, just a renter calling, like, "Hey, there's a cat in my wall." No, they probably thought <laughs> they've heard worse, Ashley. <laughs> I kept having to be like, "I swear I'm not on drugs. I swear I'm not on drugs." So they came over here, and they're like. I'll be damned. There's a cat in the damn wall. <laughs> so they have to tear the wall out, and it's a little baby kitten. And so? by itself, it had been there for two, it had been in there for like almost two days. And I was like, we can't let this cat die in here because that's awful. Um, so they got it out and they plastered it up. And I swear to God, it went in that night in the kitchen, back in the kitchen wall, I heard more kittens. So they've had to like do all sorts of stuff because she she she's had to have went in the duck like in the it's a big kind of building so she's had to go in somewhere and have babies yep. but I don't know if I don't know if it was Marnie's babies or Judy's babies I don't know but there was like a busload of cats up here at one time <laughs> and like you can imagine my dog had a really hard time with it did they get them all out so yeah they did I haven't I have, I've not seen a kitten um and, or heard one in quite a while but um Marnie and Judy still like run this shit like it's their streets you know um but I've not seen any kittens and I've not heard any but I did have a random person knock on my door about two weeks ago and I was quite scared and I was like, can I help you? And he was like, yeah, um, I was just wondering if you have any cats inside your house. So I opened the door and I was like, no, as my dog's barking, I was like, I have this thing. And he was like, okay. He's like, well, our, we think our cat had kittens and we think they're in this building, they're in this house. And I was like, well, they're not in this apartment. He's like, we're hearing them come from somewhere. And I'll, and so, cause you can, there's a carport and there's like rooms in the carport that are connected to the other place it's a weird thing so they might have had more kittens I don't fucking know it was an insane time up here and um yeah and then my mom was worried about me moving to Lexington and I was like honey I live in the streets of Mount Chase up here in Pobble like <laughs> there's a, somebody has had their girlfriend seven-year-old girlfriend locked in a closet <laughs> like <laughs> it's been insane <clears throat> And then apparently like on, on rings, like um, there's like a community for them, you know, like people mm -hmm. are like, oh, there's, okay. So my friends text me one night and they're like, so there's an alert on Mount Chase that someone's trying to break into someone's home. And Kobe was the one, my brother was the one to like even come up here and do, he didn't even alert me or alarm me or anything. He's just like doing his thing. But apparently, like, there was people trying to break into this man's house, and um, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, a week later that someone tried to come in on me, and he wasn't working. I had to call the cops, and they, well, he texted them, and they sent, like, four or five up here, and they found a man, like, in a hoodie, just, like, roaming around, and I'm, like, <laughs> and so when my mom's been worried about me, you know, me moving, I'm, like, hell, y'all should be worried now <laughs> where I live. Right. <laughs> hello and welcome to ambitious appalachia 
I'm Katie, and I am here with my co-hosts, Ashley and Audrey, and this is our very first episode. We are going to start the first three episodes, this one and the next two, with bios and interviews of your hosts, so you get to know us better and kind of understand where we're coming from. So today we're going to be talking to Audrey, mostly. Um, you're going to hear from all of us, but today's focus will be Audrey and her background and what she feels makes growing up Appalachian um, a unique experience. And we're also going to um, dive into what interests her, her hobbies, kind of her reason why behind doing this podcast. And then you'll have a greater understanding of who she is. And then after the next episodes, who we are. So, and as promised, keeping with today's topic, um, we're gonna dive in all about Miss Audrey. And um, so, Audrey, um, just to kick things off, I have a question for you. When you, think, <laughs> um, when you think about Southern Appalachia, like what comes to mind? What does that mean to you? So when I think about Southern Appalachia, I think about its people. I feel like the people make Appalachia and they make what it is and it's home to me. Um, growing up in Eastern Kentucky had its disadvantages and limited resources, but I have always felt like it taught me how to be a go-getter. Um, people in Appalachia, they're resilient and we all are tough folks. Um, but even with those limited resources, we always find a way to make the best of our situation. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, and it's so, it's so true. I feel, especially women, I feel like, you know, we've really had to hustle to where, you know, we are where, and where we're going. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and it seems like you have a lot of ambition and drive. So where does that come from? I get my ambition from my dad. Um, he He's always been a go-getter and I've always seen him as a go-getter throughout my childhood. I remember when I was younger, um, he would work third shift sometimes. So um, I would never really see him um, like during the day because he would be asleep because he would have to go back to work in the mines at night. Um, so it was always leave daddy alone. He's sleeping. He has to go back to work. So, um, I realized like at a young age, like my dad sacrificed a lot of time, um, to be able to provide for us and for the family. Um, and I remember even like some volleyball games that I've had, like my dad would sometimes come in like with black all over his face and he would come in with like his, his mining outfit and his boots and stuff. Um, and like that, it was just like a reminder of like, he just got off like work of a 12 hour shift and he would come in and watch me play. Um, and it just reminded me of just, you know, like just the sacrifices that he, he had made for us and our family. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that I get my ambition from him because he is someone that has always, um, been very selfless and always just sacrificed a lot for me and my sister and my mom. That's amazing. And 
<clears throat> I think it's great that you mentioned that obviously that he worked in the mines because that's a specific experience that's unique to Appalachia. I mean, there are, you know, hard labor jobs everywhere, but you know what kind of sacrifice that is. And that's a very specific and um, known quantity when you're going into it. So I can't imagine the drive it had to have for him to, you know, go into those mines every day. It's incredible. And then go to a volleyball game, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, you know, he's tired of shit, but, you know, I think that shows, um, I think that shows the love of a dad, you know, like love of a father, like being like, I don't know. I know when you guys, I don't know about you guys, but I fucking work remote. So (laughs) like, but I swear to God, at the end of the day, I'm like wore out. And I like the last thing I think like on my mind is like going out and doing something. Um, and so just for him to like, you know, do manual labor and to come and, you know, not not give a shit like if he has cold dust on him and those were all like I just love that and then you know he comes and watches his daughter do her thing I love that I, I love that you know I've seen so many dads do that you know like when I played ball and stuff and um I think that says a lot about you know the love of a father like you know he's tired of shit you don't even watch volleyball <laughs> yeah but he wanted to watch her you know yeah yeah definitely So you talked about how your dad is the source of your ambition, but Appalachia is known for their strong women. So who was the first successful woman that you admired um, or were inspired by? Definitely my mom, without a doubt. Um, She, throughout my entire life, she has inspired me and instilled me with so many different qualities and um given given me so much just empowerment as a young woman as an adult woman at this point um when when my dad was working she was a stay-at-home mom um and she would you know obviously take care of my sister and I and make sure that we were good make sure that we got to school um however like when the coal mining industry kind of fell um that affected our family and um there were times that my dad may not have had a job so there were times where my mom would have to step up and um provide for our family or um find other ways you know to make ends meet um but seeing my mom, you know, take on different roles of being, you know, a stay-at-home mom or a homemaker. She always cooked food. She always had a bath ready for my dad when he did get home from work, a hot bath. I know it was pure hot water every time because when I would go in there, it was just steam everywhere. Um, he had to have it hot, uh, but yes, but seeing her in all those different roles, it inspired me to, you know, it, it made me like, it let me see her in like so many different ways. And it like motivated me and inspired me to like, I, if my mom can do anything at any point, I can do anything at any point, no matter what situation we're, we're faced with, um, there, there's always a way, you know, and, and that's what I learned from her. And, and that's really, how she like really inspired me as a young adult and even now 
Um, but yeah, she's definitely the one that has inspired me. So Tanya's a boss, obviously. Yeah, same that she got a promotion, right? You posted on Facebook. She um she actually got a new job. She is um a director over it's another grant funded position. I I'm not hundred percent sure what it stands for again, and I don't want to like mention the name just because I don't know yeah. how that's gonna yeah. go. But um she has a director role over a grant funded program that involves children in eastern Kentucky and it's the perfect job for her, to be honest. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how did you take that inspiration and like take that a step further? Do you feel like you've taken it a step further? I guess that's a good place to start. Absolutely. I think that my mom has given me, you know, like what I was just saying, just those values and those um, characteristics and just the inspiration to do more and to be more. And I remember when, when I was younger, like when I barely even knew what college was, like she was saying, you're going to college. And I was just like, okay. Like it was always, you're going to college, you're going to college, you're going to college. It was embedded into my brain. Um, so like growing up there, were, I didn't have any other choice. I was going, I don't know if I don't know if that was a that was embedded into your guys's brains, was it? Yep. 100%. My parents were. My mom had her associate's degree. My dad went in the army, so they were both like college or nothing for both me and my sister. It was never an option. I didn't even yeah. know of that there would be like I didn't know there wasn't that there was an option to not go. You know, like I was just like this. This is my next step. You know, I'm not finished with school, so. Um, and Audrey, so what, um, what is it that, um, you know, uh, what is it that your ambition and, you know, from your childhood and everything, what is it to lead you to now? What's your, what's your current job title? And what do you do now in your education? And so, um, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology um after that I went back a couple years later and got my MBA in healthcare management um and now my role or my job title is I'm a director of a health education center and I cover five different counties in southern West Virginia um but so basically the overall goal is to recruit, train, and retain health professionals and keep those health professionals in underserved areas so that, you know, those underserved areas have, um, so those underserved areas have health professionals that they um, can go to, I guess you could say. No longer underserved. Yes. yes. I love it. I love it. Um, but I, I have, I have a few questions um just because you know I've watched you on social media for a long time um just because uh like one you're absolutely gorgeous so I love to just see like what you're wearing what you're doing you always post like such inspirational shit and I'm like this bitch motivated me today um but um I knew that you had a bachelor's in psychology what made you decide to do your master's 
in business rather than psychology? Great question, Ashley, because I was going to apply to Union College to get my master's in counseling or psychology. I don't remember which one it was. I assume counseling. But um, so after I graduated with my bachelor's in psych and, and sociology, um, I got a job at um, a hospital as a psychological technician. So I basically just helped the psychologist and did uh, certain testing and screenings and that kind of thing. Um, and I did like billing into to a part of that. Um, and then I was offered a role to, um, I was offered a new position to receive more money. So I really didn't want to leave my psychological technician job just because I really liked the psychologist that I worked for. She was amazing and we really like meshed really well. Um, but it was an opportunity for me to grow as a professional. So I saw that opportunity and I said, I'm scared and I don't want to, but you know, sometimes you, you have to step out of your comfort zone and push yourself so that, you know, you can grow and you can make new opportunities to make more money or, you know, learn new things. Um, so that was kind of my role from switching from like kind of psychology to the next position, which was a health educator. So I taught classes basically on how to eat healthy and um, how to basically lose weight and uh, incorporate physical activity into, you know, your daily lives. And really, honestly, what the classes were was holding people accountable because um, coming to class and, you know, saying how your week was every week it held people accountable. So I don't think it was necessarily anything that I was teaching people. Other people might say something different, but I think it was really more so about the accountability of those classes. But in, in those classes that I did teach, um, there, there were employees that were a part of those classes. And a lot of like the employees were like sometimes providers and doctors or anesthesiologists or RNs. And that was a little intimidating for me, but um, I will say that everyone was super, super like kind and nice and just open. And I was really surprised with how like just uh, health professionals across the board, even though they are health professionals and they know what they're doing, they, were still open to hearing, you know, how they could get better at, you know, eating better or what they could do differently or just hearing different ideas as to, you know, something else they could do that would work for them to help them with their health goals or their weight loss or um, accountability or anything under those lines. Um, and from that point, um, I Worked in that position. So let's get back to my question here. What'd you say, Ash? I attended one of those classes with you. I think I attended a you, couple with you. You were, you, no, so you, did you, you came to like an orientation, didn't you? Maybe, or yeah. You, I, I had you and then I had a guy. Another yeah, one. so, so we had orientations first. So people could come and see what it was all about. And then, so from orientation, you get to decide whether you like want to sign up or not. So, yeah. um, well, apparently think, you didn't convince Ashley. 
No, I did. I just, no, I'm just, I'm just I don't know exactly. <laughs> Ashley was in a different, she must've been in a different class because there was other, like there were a couple of other health educators that were, did the same thing as me. So I taught some classes and they taught some classes, but um, so I taught, so I did that for um, almost two years and um, the organization that I worked for decided that the program wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't making money for them. So they decided to um, remove the program, which meant they removed my job, which means I was laid off. And I will say that was like one of the biggest, like, uh, it was hard for me to like take that because like, you don't, I didn't do anything wrong. And I was doing my job and I didn't have control over it, but it was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm, how old was I at the time? It was in 2018. I don't know, 20 some. Um, but I just, I obviously I have bills that I need to pay. I lived with Vicky at the time, like we had rent to pay and um, I had a car payment and, you know, it was just scary and just knowing, you know, like, oh my God, like I was just laid off. I don't have, you know, I have money saved, but not a lot, not, it was, it was a huge worry for me. So back to your question, Ashley, what made me want to, you know, kind of get out of the psychology realm, sociology realm, and then get into the business administration. Um, after I was laid off, I was, I, I was like, I got to do something. I was just like, I have to do something. So I was like, I'm going to get my MBA. I can get it in a year. Why not do it? Um, I'm not working right now because that was one of the things that I was really worried about is, um, will I be able to take this on working? You know, I was scared to start a master's program four years after I got my undergraduate. So I was like, oh my gosh, do I suck at learning now? Am I not, am I not smart enough to do this? Um, but I got a 4.0. Um, so, um, but the, me being laid off really pushed me to get my MBA to, you know, um, I guess just get my MBA. Yeah. yeah. I never, I never knew what, um, what, you know, pushed you in that direction. Um, so I'm, I appreciate that answer. And it was, um, so how did you, so I just want to keep asking you more. So how did you get into your current role? So I started the MBA program in the same month I was laid off is the same month that I started the MBA program. And, um, fast ass turnaround, <laughs> right. I was like, gotta yeah. get in there. Gotta get yeah, in there. I love it. I got to do something because I was like twiddling my thumbs because I'm the type of person I have to work. Like if I'm not working, I feel like, which I'm trying to get better at this because I think that you shouldn't contribute your success and who you are to your work, you know, like, I don't know, but part of it is, and it's, it's hard. Not it is. Very it hard is. Obviously, I, yeah, I'm in the MBA program, um, but I still don't have income. 
Um, I have unemployment that I'm receiving, but it doesn't, it's not the same amount of money that I was making. Um, So if people don't know about unemployment, and I don't know if this, I'm sure it varies across states, but I was in Kentucky at the time and Kentucky, like you can, you don't get the same amount that you receive, like that your salary or your hourly rate is. It's just based on what category you fit in based on, I guess, their whatever scale. So I got the max amount, but it wasn't close to like what I got every two weeks for my job that I had. So I was still trying to search for another job. Um, and I had applied at Big Sandy, um, and I was even applying for, like, honestly, I was applying for roles that, like, I knew that I was overqualified for, but at this point, it didn't matter, because I was just like, I need to make money at this point, so I just started applying for a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff, and honestly, no, I never got an interview with anybody, yeah, never got an interview with anybody, and now I, so then I, I saw this job, the job that I have now, um, in Williamson. And I was like, okay, I need to apply for this. So I applied for it. Um, they called me back a week later, did the interview, uh, call me back and then offered me the job. And I was just, and, and that was in August. So I was laid off in June of 2018. And then I, was hired in August of 2018 and it was literally like the perfect timing because I was just like I'm literally running I'm I have no money yeah yeah. um and it's it's a crappy thing because like I don't know just the whole situation but I did learn a lot from that um entire situation of being laid off and you know I, I was really humbled I really was um but and I hated the situation. Like I remember crying and everything. And, um, like it was like, it was even the being laid off was a whole other story that I'll have to tell it another time, because that was like, it was very dramatic. The way that they did it was very dramatic and weird and just, I don't know, but, um, yeah, that's how I came into this job that I have now. And how long have You've been there since August of 2019. Yep. So about almost four years coming up on four years in this August. Awesome. That's, that's a long time, but so I want to know your, your, your proudest moment at, in your current role. Like what's been your proudest moment? What'd you say, Katie? You're, you're on the spot. I can edit that shit out. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> Here go. Cut it. Edit button. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that there's one specific proudest moment, but one thing that I'm really proud of myself within the job, the career that I have right now is I had no idea like what this job consisted of. I just knew it because it was just um the, the job description was a little vague and I didn't know about grants. Um, but like what I was saying earlier, like I'm a go-getter, like, mm-hmm. and I'm honestly, I, I personally feel about myself. Like I can learn how to do anything I can. Um, yeah. 
and I feel I feel the same way about just Appalachians in general like we we are people that learn can learn how to do anything we that we put our mind to and that we want to do um but within this role in this career I had no idea what I was doing and nobody else really knew what this role was either because it was new for the company they just received this grant so it was like they gave me this support and it, like they're extremely helpful still helpful um but i really learned how to maneuver and do everything that i do now um making connections with stakeholders and organizations and getting support from other companies or um, employees um learning how to talk to providers that's a big thing because i never really and it's funny that I'm saying learn how to talk to providers. There's not a certain way, but for me, like it was more so like the comfort of getting to talk to providers and being comfortable with just being me with providers. Um, and that's still something that I'm still trying to learn how to do better at because I don't know, I'm just like a stiff, super stiff, like professional kind of person. So it, it takes a lot for me to like be loose and, you know, be cool. So, but um, I will say like within the past year, like um, I've just became a lot more acquainted with um, just health professionals and them trusting me and me trusting them. And um, I think that's a part of, you know, retention and recruitment and making sure that your, your employees are heard and, you know, um, listened to. Um, but learning how to learning how to put together continuing education events, learning how to put together like programs um, and coming up with like ideas on how to incorporate high school students um, that wanna be involved with health careers whenever they get older. Um, and then coming up with just different types of projects for med students or um, like we call them interprofessional teams where med students or any kind of like health professional student works with health professionals and they basically do some sort of like quality improvement project. Um, and that is what we call like an interprofessional team. But I've expanded like my creativity and just how to how to go about doing things. And there's like, we were talking about it earlier, but there's just so many hoops that you have to jump through in order to make things happen. And I learned how to jump through all these hoops on my own for the most part. Um, so that's honestly what I'm proud of is just being able to, you know, figure out how to do something and not, not giving up. Pepper had something to say as well. She's not getting the attention. Nope. That's, that's the issue. <laughs> I thought she was killing one of your cats. I'm not even gonna lie. There's a squeaky chicken that makes like a wow. And yeah, she didn't get it, but she must have hit it. Tell me about it. I had to get bourbon that squeaky chicken because Pepper had one. It was the bane of my existence for like the full two hours it took bourbon to tear its head off. She has a, a squeaky hippo. It makes that sound. And he's he's actually fucking terrified of it. So. 
<laughs> he like takes off running if I like leave him get it out. Um, oh, but I I really I I can relate to um you know part of what you said about um you had mentioned you know learning how to speak to providers and so when I first started the hospital that was one something I was super nervous about right because there's this there's this idea in your head as a little 20 something year old that you know they're so smart and they're so you know brilliant and it took me a long it took me it took me about a year or so to realize like I'm just as smart I'm just smart in different things different areas and um once I, once I gained that confidence, um, you know, I'm insecure about some things, but one thing I'm pretty confident about is my intelligence and my capability to, you know, carry, you know, conversation. Um, so once I kind of let that fear go down, I found it, you know, was kind of easy to talk to them, but it was, I can relate to that fear as well. Cause that was one of the biggest things about me taking on a role at the hospital is like can I even like are these people gonna think I'm just stupid you know so but um and I you know we've talked several times and I think you're doing great things there and um I just it's amazing to see like um if you don't know where Williamson is it's a small little city in West Virginia very royal so it is um uh I think it's just awesome to hear of all the big things right southwest West Virginia, is that right? Geographically for Williamson? Mount Audrey, Southwest. I just call it Southern West Virginia because we're at the main bottom. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, that's what my center is called too. So I just say Southern. It's not big enough for an East yeah. and a West. And you know, yeah. like <laughs> Kentucky, you know, where I'm from, where we're from, Kentucky has its own stereotypes, but I think maybe West Virginia has the worst stereotypes. Um, and it came from a particular show. Um, you guys remember the Wild and Wonderful Watts of West Virginia? That is not how I've never in my life met people like, like seen like, you know, I probably met people like that, but that's like a small, small, small population of um, what you're going to see here. You know, um, when you come like, when you look at Williamson now, there are so many, you know, um, what do they call, uh, small businesses that are just like freaking booming. Um, you know, the, the Williamson wellness center you hear so much about. And so it's just, it's exciting to see like that, you know, that little area is really booming and making a difference and impacting like not only the lives of the patients and not only, you know, the lives of you know the residents there um but also like what you're doing is impacting like lives of providers and med students and students and that's that's huge I think that's huge something highly needed for that area this area actually anywhere my sister and I still like have inside jokes about the wild and wonderful whites because it's so oh I quote that shit daily up at it like especially when I went to so short like my brothers oh my god man like they're like CPS done and took her baby and I was like fuck that's not even what I'm trying to do but you know it was just so like perfect. I still quote that shit <laughs> <laughs> anyway sorry but it's just I think it's just a poor I think they you know they'll, they'll prey on the, that population mm-hmm. you know to do a show or anything but right. when it comes to like really showing like 
what is actually, you know, in these towns and these small, you know, country towns. We'll, we'll do that. Like you guys remember the 20, was it 2020 um, or something about like Mountain Dew mouth? Yep. Okay. Well, what about the other shit? Barbara Walters. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Well, what about the other shit that we do here? Like what, why wouldn't you go to like, you know, the Williamson Mono Center? But no, let's talk about Mountain Dew because that's, that's what's important. And part of what I think the problem is, is that that stuff makes for such good television for people from either one of the coasts because think we watch about it. The way, think about the way we watch, I don't know, any of the real housewives. Like I don't watch reality TV, but that's a popular thing. And it's because they live in a way that is so different from you that you can categorize them as the other. So for other parts of the United States and you know, other parts of the world, they can look at Appalachia and see like, oh, well, I, I would never live like that. I'm nothing like those people. And it's like, if you're only going to show the worst or I don't want to say the worst, but like the most in need of, in need of help part of Appalachia, like then let me see the most in need of help part of your city and tell me all that, you know what I mean? So I think that it's funny. I, I always talk about how people make political divides, people make racial divides, but like what really divides us is socioeconomic class and people in Eastern Kentucky have way more in common with people in low income inner city places than, than we have in common with like, you know, anybody in a suburb. Like we are, I think, I always think that if, if we could just get past those divides, I think that the world would be a better place. (laughs) Very true. Or at least Appalachia. I don't know. Do you guys remember the song um, that came out and like I can, I'm guilty of it, but so um, it was Redneck Woman. Do you guys remember that? I don't know. You guys are kind of younger than me. No, I. Remember but like I'll blare it and I'm like I'm a redneck woman, like just stupid shit. And now that I'm older, I'm like I loathe that song. And that was another like play into like the stereotype that we're outside barefoot with the baby on our hip. Like that's what women have to be here. And I'm like, actually we run this shit here. So um, you're very much wrong about us. And so I, I love, I love that this podcast and hearing, you know, like, you know, we're hearing Audrey's story today. We'll hear the rest of us and we'll be doing some interviews and we'll, you know, we'll be talking about topics, but I love that this podcast can prove those stereotypes wrong and and, you know if you're you're listening to one person tell their story and their education and their career tonight that's one person that's going to prove that stereotype wrong because you have you know it's it's just not we're not standing barefoot people (laughs) with a baby on our hip um there might be some christmas lights up all year round but (laughs) there's you know we, we all have shoes, you know? <laughs> Listen, there are people out West that'll pay a lot of money for grounding therapy. I'm using air quotes and it's literally just a walk around barefoot. So like, who's judging who? Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Audrey, this is your episode. This is the Audrey episode. So based on what we talked about and kind of you know, where we want to take this podcast, what advice would you give to a young woman like us, a young woman growing up, maybe that doesn't have 
um, representation. What advice would you give to her um, that wants to take her career into her own hands and maybe take it a step further than yours and you know see how far she can take it? My advice would be is to don't be scared and don't back down embrace yourself to the fullest because there's only one of you in the world um you want to always surround yourself with people and friends that are like-minded and that's why I'm honestly thankful for you guys because you guys are you know like-minded and we're we are ambitious and we we do have you know like yeah we're different but we we want better, you know, and we want to also give back. And that's part of this podcast. Um, and, and back to the advice, like young go-getters are hard to come by. Like they're not every, you don't find friends and people that are go-getters like, like Katie and Ashley are, in my opinion. Um, those types of people are hard to come by. Um, and like the road to success can be lonely sometimes, but you have to believe in your mission and your why. Um, don't, and you don't always have to be in such a rush to discover or worry about like your purpose. I'm 29 and I'm still learning new things about myself every day. Um, and there will always be bumps in the road. But if you try to stay true to yourself and your roots and never forget where you came from, it'll always work out. I mean, I'm living proof. I love that. Love it. I do too. I love it. Thanks for listening to Ambitious Appalachia. If you want to connect with us, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Ambitious Appalachia. You can also follow us on Twitter at Ambitious App Pod. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to hear and topics you'd like us to cover, maybe even guests you'd like us to have. And most importantly, tell your friends and we will see y'all next time.